Welcome to Slim and Satisfied, a podcast about weight loss for women dealing with hormonal imbalances. I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and I invite you to join me weekly for conversations, practical strategies, and resources that will lead you on the right path to feeling satisfied with your body and your life. And now, let's get to today's episode. Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of Slim and Satisfied. I'm your host, Daphna Chazen, and today we're talking about the holiday season and how to keep it together during this very stressful, food-laden time where every temptation is around you and food pushers are always trying to get you to eat more and do all the things that are related to just celebrating around food. So this could be a really challenging time for a lot of people, and I always, always in my groups and in my coaching sessions talk about people's plans for the holidays, even if they don't bring it up. So every time I see someone around the holidays, we'll always end our session. If the topic hasn't been brought up yet, I'll always ask, what's your holiday plan? What do you plan to do to keep your momentum going? How are you going to make progress? during this time, because it is a hard time. We wanna address it head on. We don't wanna avoid it and kind of try to get through it, get by. That's never a good idea. So I always like to put it all on the table, come up with maybe maybe one or two things that we can work on during the holiday. It could be new things, it could be mindset, it could be just keeping up with older habits that have already been established but you wanna think about the holidays well in advance because it does get challenging. And we know that people tend to change their food decisions and change how they behave when people are around them. So when we're in social situations, we always have a harder time remembering what it is that we're trying to accomplish because this is where the primitive brain kicks into action. So if I were to go into a party and there's a big dessert buffet, I'm not gonna be using my rational brain to think about what I'm gonna have, right? My rational brain doesn't kick in quickly enough to help me make good choices and good decisions that are aligned with my goals. What happens usually in this situation is that I'm gonna go for my favorite things, the first things that I see, depending on how I feel physically and emotionally, I may overeat, I may overindulge, and then of course I can feel guilt and shame. But the reason that it's so hard to make those decisions in social situations and when food is already presented to us is that the primitive brain, the infant brain, is always quicker to respond. And that brain wants what it wants, and it wants it right now. So this is the part of the brain that's really quick to fulfill desires. It's really quick to say, yes, have this. You deserve it. I want this. Ooh, chocolate. Ooh, cake. This is what I want right now. I don't want to think about it. I just want it in my mouth already. So this is why planning ahead of time can really help train your brain to kick into the more rational side of things, to kick in into the more decision-making process that we all want around food. But sometimes it's a little elusive. Sometimes people get can't really tap into their rational brain quickly enough in social situations. So the reason that we wanna plan ahead of time is just that, is to make sure that our primitive brain is not making all of the decisions for us in the moment. And one of the books that I highly recommend for this is called Eat Q. 
And EQ was written by Susan Albers. And what she talks about in the book, it's a book that really draws a lot of similarities from emotional intelligence into eating. So it talks a lot about how to develop emotional intelligence around eating and really gain understanding and deep kind of significant insights into why we're eating, why we're making the food decisions that we make, what happens in the brain, what happens in our body when we make all those choices that we sometimes later regret. So what she talks about in the book is deciding while hungry, right? So this is a situation where we're not really making the decisions that we had planned to make because we're already hungry. There are already other biological processes that are going on with hormones and appetite that are dictating our decisions. And those are always going to be more powerful than our best intentions. So if we haven't really thought about our goals, if we haven't really put them to what I call the reality check test, our goals always have to be realistic and go through a process of validating, making sure that that goal is a good one for you in your life, in your situation, in your particular circumstances. If we haven't done that, the primitive brain, the deciding when hungry is always going to look the same. So if you've ever gone into a party or a restaurant or any type of social gathering, especially around the holidays where celebrations are all revolving around food, you may have had all the good intentions. But once you're in that situation, whilst, once you're deciding while hungry, once the food is there, the cake is there, the pies are there and the buffets are all laid out. Things change, and sometimes people make decisions that almost feel like an outer body experience. They don't even know who this person is. So I see it all the time. There's a lot of regret, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt that follows that, but that's never enough. It's never significant enough to remind us that we don't want to do that again. And this is what I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to focus on the three mindset shifts that I usually recommend to my clients. And we're going to talk a little bit about the detail of each one of these and how they can actually show up in food. What does it actually mean as far as you're eating? But I don't want to talk about whether pumpkin pie has more calories than pecan pie or whether or not you should be eating salad with your holiday meal. That's not the focus that I'd like for you to have. I want you to think bigger picture. I want you to think about how you show up during the holidays. What kind of things are you telling yourself? What are some of the mindsets or the psychology behind the decisions that you make around the holiday? I think that's a much more powerful way to think about it than nitpicking about whether I should eat two or three cookies. You're going to see much better results if you work on your mindset and if you, again, come into the holidays thinking a certain way feeling a certain way about your progress and wanting to continue the momentum so that you can really feel good about your choices and the outcomes come January 2nd. Okay, so let's dive right in and talk about the first thing I'd like you to think about, and that is setting your intentions ahead of time. And what do I mean by this? I want you to think about what it is that you're looking to get out of the holiday season and out of the parties and events that you'll be going to. And by the way, I want you to look at your calendar. It really gives you perspective when you actually circle the number of days where you'll be attending a gathering or a social situation as far as work, family, community, church, etc. So I want you to circle the dates of the events that you have and really count them. Add them up and see how many times are you going to be eating, say, off your plan or away from your home in a situation where you have little to no control. 
If you're someone who hosts and maybe you have five events and three of them are going to be at your house, you actually have a lot of control. So you could do very well during this season and not really derail yourself if you choose to do that. So if you have any amount of control in these situations, you're already getting a leg up because you already know what food is going to be there. You know when food is coming out. You know how long the party is going to last. All of those things matter. So if you do have hosting responsibilities and you'll be doing that because you'll be doing it because you love it and you enjoy it, more power to you. I want to tell you that you're actually in better position than a lot of people because when you go to other people's houses or you go to family situation or events or work functions where you don't really know what's going to be there and you have no control over when food is coming out and how long it's going to take, that could be tricky. So I want you to really set your intentions ahead of time, circle those dates, and really think about are the three, four, five, or maybe seven or eight events that I have coming up over the next month and a half are enough to get me off track? Or is there enough recovery time in between for me to still be on my plan, still be doing my work? still be planning my meals and doing, you know, the walking, the hydration, and all the different things that I've been doing to get to this point. So most of the time, there's plenty of white space. There's plenty of recovery time in between those parties where I'm not saying you're not going to be exposed to food and leftovers and, and, you know, candy in the kitchen and in the office and things like that. But you can minimize your exposure. So you can really use that time to quickly recover and get back on track and continue doing what you've been doing with less exposure to food and less temptation. So this is really important. I want you to think about setting your intentions so that these parties don't linger and spill over to the rest of your weekend and week and then continuing for the full six weeks where it's just one big meal day after day. You have plenty of time to go back to your regular eating, you have plenty of time to include indulgences in moderation and in a reasonable way, but you have to think about it ahead of time. And I think once you see it on your calendar, it makes a lot of sense. So first, I want you to go ahead, circle those events and really think about how much white space do I have? I don't want you to spend all your energy trying to figure out how to eat in those situations, although we will talk about that. I want you to focus on What are you going to do in between? How are you going to keep momentum going during the white space? This is your best time to really recover and get back on track, assuming that you've deviated a little bit from your healthy eating plan. So if you've done too much drinking or a little bit too much consumption of sugar and treats and desserts, which is perfectly normal around this time of year, it doesn't mean that the whole month is shot. It doesn't mean that you can't get back on track, not only the next day, sometimes in the next meal. So I want you to really think about it because that can make a huge difference. So when I talk about setting the intention for the holiday season, talking about the end of November, December, maybe the beginning of January a little bit, I want you to think about how are you showing up for yourself? Are you telling yourself that, oh, this is the holidays, so this time is just going to be a free-for-all Or are you coming in telling yourself, I got plenty of time to keep on with my plan. There are going to be a few 
events and parties, but that's not going to slow me down. There is no reason why three or four holiday meals should stop me from doing all the things that I've been doing, prevent me from continuing to progress, and helping me to gain more momentum. So think about it this way. If you get through the holiday season and you feel good about it and you feel like you've managed it and navigated it successfully... Think about the confidence boost that that will give you. Think about the amount of momentum that you're going to be riding on from that. It can really rocket launch you into the new year, into 2020, feeling the best you've ever felt, knowing that you just got through something that used to be a setback for you, right? For a lot of people, the holidays are a huge setback. Studies show that people gain somewhere between three to eight pounds during the holidays And this is the weight that we don't take off unless we intentionally work to get it off. So when we hear about people gaining 20, 30, and 40 pounds over the course of 10 years, this is where it's coming from. It's usually coming from around this time of year. If you think about it, if you gain three or four pounds every year during the holidays, that's 40 pounds over the course of a decade. So things can get added up pretty quickly. And studies do show that people don't take this weight off unless they intentionally work to get it off. So going back to how you felt about your current progress through the holidays compared to last year, that could be a huge confidence boost. And it could be something that really makes you feel like you've got this and you know what you need to do. And you've likely been able to eat some certain treats and indulge in some holiday foods, but you've done it mindfully, out of choice, and with responsibility. You didn't feel like a victim to the situation and then end up in this cycle of shame and guilt. So think about this because the way you show up, how you set your intentions for this season is super important. One important thing that can really help you set your intentions, and it's an exercise that I really love doing, is asking yourself, What are the holidays really about for me? What am I here for? Why am I going to this party? What does it mean to me? How do I want to feel? What do I show up there for? And most of the time, food is not a main part of the answer. Most of us do not show up for the food specifically. We show up to celebrate. We show up to spend time with family. We show up for the feeling of connection and gratitude and being together and spending time. So when you turn the volume up on these things, you could experience the holidays in a new way that's more focused on these things. So when you show up to a party with the intention of connecting and putting your phone away and truly having a meaningful conversation with someone, catching up with family and friends or people that you may only see once or twice a year during this time, now the holidays get such a broader meaning, such a more significant meaning. And you want to make sure that you're really focusing on that. You're coming into the holidays with the intention of making the most of gratitude and connection and family and quality time and reflection and less so thinking about, oh, I'm going to be surrounded with food or here comes my Aunt Susie and she's going to make me eat all the cakes and all the cookies or here comes this work friend who's really not a friend because they've always been super judgmental of me and they always try to get in my business and see what I'm doing. And now I need to have a conversation with them. So maybe I'm feeling a little bit anxious and stressed about that. And now I'm manifesting this feeling of negativity and awkwardness. And it makes me want to go eat because I want to avoid them and look busy. 
These are the types of thoughts that are going to suck the life out of you, drain your energy, and make you feel like you're going into this with all the negative emotions and expecting it to be a bad experience. And guess what? Usually our behaviors and our actions match our thoughts and feelings 100%. And if you go back to episode number one where I spoke about limiting beliefs, you're going to hear all about how this may come into play in your life, especially now during the holiday season. So when you're setting your intentions, this is what I want you to think about. The things that you pay attention to, the things that you tell yourself that are important and are going to be a problem, you better believe they're going to become a problem because this is where you divert your energy. This is what you're focusing on. But if you take the time to set your intentions, really think about the true meaning of the holidays for you, you can end the season feeling emotionally recharged and rejuvenated as opposed to depleted. And that can make a huge difference in your weight loss journey and your health journey in general. Okay, let's move on. I think we talked about setting your intentions enough. I think you've probably gotten the point. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it, by the way. So if you come over to Instagram, I'm at PCOS Nutritionist Daphna. You can connect with me there. Send me a DM, say hi, tell me what you think about the podcast and some of the things that I spoke about in recent episodes. I'd really love to hear from you. Or you can also email me. I'm at Daphna at DaphnaChazen.com. Both of those links can be found in the show notes below. Moving on to the next mindset shift that I'd like you to think about, it's more of a question actually, and this is one of my favorite questions to ask in situations where there's a lot of food or a lot of temptation, and that is, is it a hell yes or a hell no? And the reason that I wanted to bring it up today is that my core belief around holiday eating is that Not every food on the table is going to mean the same thing to you. So when you're looking at holiday foods, there are probably the ones that you're really looking forward to, the ones that are very special, seasonal, and kind of represent the holidays for you. And then on the other side, you have rolls and chips and salsa and mashed potatoes that can come year-round. There's nothing special about them, and they're kind of there for no particular reason. So when I'm talking about hell yes or hell no, this is the question that I want you to ask around your food decisions specifically. If something is special, if it's something you looked forward to, if you know you're going to get 1000% enjoyment out of eating this food, it's a hell yes. This is the food that you don't want to give up. And I really think that you would be doing yourself more damage, more harm if you try to avoid it. I don't believe in restriction. I don't believe in denying yourself pleasure from food. We all get enjoyment out of food. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that, especially around the holidays. It is perfectly okay to eat something because it tastes good, it feels good. You don't really need to be super rational about food. It doesn't have to always fit some macro or some calorie level or some sort of higher purpose, okay? This is not what healthy eating is about at all. But here is the thing. If you're eating something around the holidays that you don't particularly enjoy, it doesn't mean anything special to you. And when you're done eating it, you're saying to yourself, eh, that was okay. Eating that food is not serving you and it can actually be disrespectful for your body if you're mindlessly munching on things that are both unhealthy and not enjoyable. That's a double whammy in my book. So when I'm talking about, is it a hell yes or a hell no? If that one thing is not special, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. I don't even look at it. I don't pay attention to it. 
And I've trained myself to not even let the thought of eating this food cross my mind because it's not worth it. It's a hell no to me. And the more you practice this, the better you'll get at deciding whether it's a hell yes or a hell no. You have to start somewhere. So the first thing that you want to do is thinking ahead of time about what kind of food is going to be there, what are some of the options, and what are your must-have foods for this particular holiday. Make sure that you're going to get 1,000% enjoyment out of them, and you'll be able to feel fully satisfied after you eat this food. And by the way, like I said before, it is perfectly normal and okay for food to make you feel happy, good, connected, have some good memories. What's not okay, and there's a fine line here, so I wanted to point this out, it's not okay to use food to change how you feel. So if you're sad or if you're feeling bored, food is not the thing that's now going to make you feel busy and engaged. Food is not the thing that's going to make you feel happy right? So it's not a way to change your mood, but it is perfectly okay to say, this piece of pie tastes good and it makes me feel good. I feel happy, right? So never use food as a means to changing how you feel, but you also don't want to deny the fact that certain foods make us feel happy and they make us feel good. And that's what makes those foods special. And that's what makes those foods a hell yes. Now, I want to hear about your hell yes and hell no foods. So again, head on over to Instagram and let me know what is your hell yes food? What is your hell no food? I want to know all about it. And I'm going to be sharing mine as well on my stories. So make sure you go over there and connect with me. I'm at PCOS Nutritionist Daphna. And now let's get into the last, but definitely not least, mindset shift that I'd like you to consider this holiday season, and that is saying no is not being rude. So many of the women that I work with, and I can definitely relate to this too, have a hard time saying no. We want to please, we want to be liked, and we don't want to offend anybody. And that is sometimes coming at the expense of our own health and our own well-being. So anytime I work with someone and I can see a pattern of not being able to say no or saying yes to the wrong things or finding themselves in a situation where they could have been more assertive and created a different outcome for themselves, I ask them, do you feel like when you're saying yes to this thing, you may be saying no to yourself? And many times the answer is, yes, I am. I am saying no to myself. I'm saying yes to everything and everybody else, but really what ends up happening is that I said no to myself without even realizing it. And now what I need is not getting done. I'm not taking care of myself and my needs are not being met, which is causing more stress and anxiety for me because I've overcommitted myself to fulfill other people's needs and desires and requests that are all coming out of my personal time. So if this is something that sounds familiar and happens in your life, I wanted to talk about how to say no in a way that doesn't feel offensive or aggressive because sometimes things can go that route. The first thing to understand here is that being assertive is different than being aggressive. When you're saying no in a respectful way, you're being assertive. You're taking care of yourself and you're communicating what you need. Being aggressive is putting the blame on someone else and saying, 
Don't put this food next to me. Or telling your spouse, why did you overcommit us to all these parties? Or telling that work friend, stop bringing me muffins every Monday because you bake on the weekends. That's being aggressive. Being assertive sounds a whole lot different. And it actually shifts the focus from the person or the situation. It only talks about what you need. And the reason I'm mentioning it is that you can use the same lines over and over again, no matter what the situation is. Because when you shift to talking about what you need and you're communicating what is going to be helpful to you, as opposed to putting the blame on the person and kind of saying you did this or you did that. Now you're just communicating what you need, which really shouldn't change in any type of situation. So hopefully this makes sense, and I'm going to give you some examples. The first example I'm going to give you is about saying no in a sentence. So it's not just the word no, because that would be a little short. But here's the thing. Saying no is enough. You don't have to give detail. You don't have to tell a story. You don't have to give this person your entire history and tell them why you can't make it. It doesn't make it any softer or better if you give all these excuses and reasons why you can't make something. Get used to saying, I can't make it, which is one way of saying no, or saying, that does not work for me, or saying, now is not a good time for me, or I don't think this is a good idea for me. So you see how all of these sentences are using the word I, and I'm telling that person, for me, This is not the right choice right now. I don't have to give an explanation. I don't have to tell them why. It's really none of that person's business unless you make it their business. So if you wanted to, if it made you feel better, or if you have a real reason that you're comfortable sharing with them, by all means, go ahead. But I'm here to tell you that saying no, telling someone I can't make it, or this is not going to work for me, or I would rather not do that is okay. There is nothing wrong with that, and that is enough. Leaving it at this also sets boundaries. So a lot of times we feel obligated to say yes because we haven't set those boundaries. Anytime that you're going to leave it at that, you're going to give your answer, which is going to be no, assuming that's the answer you want to give, you don't have to follow it up with excuses, apologies, and stories. It's enough, and it's going to set boundaries so that you can be assertive and communicate your needs very, very clearly, and nobody's going to ask you any follow-up questions because they're going to respect you. This is definitely something that takes practice. So we all need to practice the no muscle, right? We all need to be more comfortable saying no, but these ways that I listed for you, saying I can't make it, or I don't want to do that, or it sounds great, but I would rather stay home, or This looks delicious, but I prefer to eat this thing right here. Or I really appreciate you baking this food. May I just take a piece to go home with? Or things like that where you're saying no, you're not offending anybody. You can always give a compliment. You can always make a put a positive spin on it. But again, there shouldn't be any ambiguity at the end of that sentence. You want to make sure that they understand that person in that situation that the answer is no. You can say the things that I've listed, I can't make it, I'd love to go, but I really don't want to. That is okay to say too. I've said that many times. Like if I know that I'm gonna be in a situation that's not good for me, I'm gonna say, I would love to go, but I don't want to. I don't think it's a good idea for me or I would rather not do that. 
That is perfectly okay to say. It takes time. It takes practice. But again, you don't need to be worried about offending other people as long as you make it about yourself and you're being respectful about it. So make sure that you're setting those boundaries, practicing your no, and making sure that you're being assertive and not aggressive, and it's all going to work out just fine for you. All right, so we talked about three important mindset shifts for the holiday season. I hope that you're going to take some of those recommendations and tips and apply them as you navigate your way through Thanksgiving and Christmas and the new year. I wish you a happy and healthy holiday season, and I hope that you take the time to set your intentions, think about whether this food is a hell yes or a hell no, and practice your no muscle. And don't forget to hop on over to Instagram, look me up, Daphna Chazen, or at PCOS Nutritionist Daphna, and drop me a DM. I want to see you there. Come say hi and definitely share some of your thoughts with me. All right, take care until next time, and I will see you soon.